0: a quick hello and we're good to go welcome to the show philly bandus thank you very much jason
1: pleasure to be here
0: absolutely delightful i love the green 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 glasses uh, which go almost perfectly with the green that we've chosen for this episode
1: the green the green is chartreuse and is actually my brand color so it is me repping my brand
0: right so Do you find that wearing the green glasses every single time makes a difference? Absolutely. And it's really funny because I just
1: started doing it this year and Mm -hmm. the, um, and there was a, we did a, um, we did some user research of my email list. And one of the questions was, um, you know, how, um, how did you come across? Phil? How do you recognize Philip? And they were saying, um, Oh, the guy with the green glasses. And so that's usually people who have only found me or been added to my list in the last year or so. But it was really interesting to hear such a loud kind of chorus of people who had locked that into their head. And there's right. an aspect of personal style branding, which is very important that very few people think about it. Like Steve Jobs thought about it more the you know mock black turtleneck every time you presented a new computer. I actually Mm. wore a black t-shirt for my first, I want to say 250 videos. And, um, and that really cemented that in people's heads as well. And as a, as a branding and design guy, I know that color is the, you know, apart from smell, smell is the most indelible human sense. Mm. The next one is in terms of recognition and emotional response is color. And so, Leveraging color in your branding and your personal brand can be really sticky in terms of people recognizing uh, you quickly and having that recall of having seen you before or later recalling um, you as right. a as a as a brand.
0: Right, hundred percent. I mean, the, the red shirt really nails it. I've been wearing this for eight years now, red every yep. single time. And I will literally change my shirt two minutes before I come on screen. Yeah, I get it. And,
1: and that's easy, good. That's very smart.
0: it's very but smart. Really difficult to do because the consistency of saying I'm now in a professional environment, I need to change the shirt. And I need to think about that ahead of time is very difficult to do. Well, Jason, let me tell you. I, I made a very,
1: very difficult decision just recently, and right. you will see in most of my personal branding and photography is that I have a, I have a, a you know, a Van Dyke and a handlebar mustache, and I right. appeared that way in my last four hundred and fifty videos, and really, literally, in the last two months, um,
0: I lost. Oh, you're back. Um, Sorry, I, no, I, I was checking it because I had your. A brand SERP and the handlebar yeah. mustache isn't there. Uh,
1: yes, because I just updated my, I just up, wait, wow. wait, yes, it is. Yeah. I have a, I have a handlebar mustache in every, literally every photo of me on the net at the moment. And so I have just gone clean shaven with a bit of a soul patch mm. um, for the first time in, seven years as a birthday gift to my wife who hates my mustache. <laughs> oh. And so I, yeah, very early on, I decided that I was going to just adopt a kind of a personal branding element in my, in my facial hair and sported a kind of, you know, a graying um, handlebar mustache for a long time. And that's another kind of personal branding element mm. that was very difficult for me to give up. I don't know if it's gone forever, right. But just shaving it off and showing up in lives and doing interviews like this and, and new videos um, makes me very nervous because I have I've kind of shaved off a, a recognition piece um, right. of my personal brand.
0: But yeah, that's you know, a really I did it interesting point. Sorry, it's a really interesting point because I looked at your brand surf and the screen is quite small. My glasses aren't very good. And I had an operation last year, and it didn't go very well. So my eyesight is terrible. So I couldn't literally see the handlebar moustache, mm. but I can see the green glasses. And as you say, colour has much more effect than something as simple as a handlebar moustache. Yeah. So I, I goofed, and I'm sorry. No, that's totally fine.
1: Um, and I'm hopefully more people will have challenging eyesight, and then they won't notice.
0: <laughs> No, look, I, the green glasses absolutely take away from most of the other facial aspects. So the difference between you with the green glasses and you without the green glasses and the mustache with the beard. For me, it is quite small because I'm focusing so much on those glasses.
1: There you go. So, if you you can change one thing, but if you keep other things consistent, then it's not as jarring. So, and that's in any kind of branding, in visual branding with brand identity, you know, when companies change their logo. Very often, they will keep the basic format of their logo, but they might change the font or they might change, you know, oh. the icon, but then they'll keep the font the same, the word mark the same, or they'll make sure to keep the color the same. They very rarely change something so dramatically that everything changes at once because essentially what you're doing is you're throwing away visual brand recognition equity. And that is a cardinal sin in the branding world, which is why if you search, E- evolution of the Coca-Cola logo or evolution of the Pepsi logo, mm. you can see a logo, uh, you know, evolve over time over the last hundred years in, in step changed iterations. Right. And that's very, a very conscious uh, decision, particularly with brands that are consumer facing brands like CPG brands who rely on shelf recognition for someone to pick it up and buy it. Oh, um, sorry.
0: You just said CPG. Can you tell me what CPG, con- CPG is for? consumer package goods? Right. Thank you.
1: I w- right.
0: but, yeah, no, I would immediately have thought about Google because of the way the logo has evolved. It's kept the same colors, but it change. It changes, excuse me, Font. font the font. And now I look at the old font and it seems so old school, but the font itself isn't old school. I don't think it's my perception of where I was when I first saw it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's
1: like when we look back on pictures of ourselves in the seventies and the clothes that were the (laughs) eighties or however old you are, even the two thousands and you look at the styles that you're wearing, you don't think of them as being ridiculous at the time, but everything Mm. changes in hindsight and we all
0: evolve. Right. Brilliant. Okay, before we get started, you are listening to Branded Search and Beyond with Jason Barnard. Now, back to the show. We're going to talk about build a powerful personal brand with content. We've already talked about the visual aspect of it. We're going to talk about content. We'll look at your brand cert really quickly. Uh, Philip Van Dusen or Dusen internet personality what do you think of that
1: well i just signed up for you know to claim my my domain i guess my name um with google just recently actually in response to being invited on your show and i uh i you know offered up all my websites and my social to prove who that i owned all of these uh you know kind of platforms and so this uh, iteration of my Google search results has changed really in the last couple weeks. And I am very surprised actually that number one, they didn't capitalize the D in my last name, I'm a little yep. upset about that. You're going to have to tell me how to get them to fix that. And number two, I never cl- classified myself as an internet personality. If anything, I would call myself a branding expert or branding and design expert. So I don't know where they got internet personality. I certainly didn't put that down on my on my application.
0: Well, that, that's a really interesting question. There are two interesting questions there for me. Number one is the capitalization in the middle of a word or the non-capitalization at the beginning of a word like EasyJet or eBay. It's hugely difficult to get Google to understand that because capitalization is proper nouns. So, naturally speaking, your name should be written Van Dusen without the capital D because it's one single word. And if you separate them, it would become two. That would be a proper nine. Google would be happy. It's grammatical rules that are breaking the things here.
1: Yeah. So they're upsetting a lot of Dutch people. That's all I would say. Yes. (laughs)
0: 100%. And the second is the uh, representation of you as an internet personality. Why is Google doing that? It's because it doesn't recognize how you've described yourself. Which is very bizarre because
1: absolutely we- everywhere I show up, including you know YouTube and the categories that I'm in and literally every single of the 450 videos I've posted are all about branding design and brand mm-hmm. strategy. And it's all across my website. It's, it's in every about section about me. It's in my bio section on my website it all talks about me as a, as a branding and design expert. So the fact right. that their SEO can't parse that is super surprising to me.
0: Right, and I mean, I haven't examined this in, in detail, but Google looks for semantic triples, which is uh, subject, verb, object. And when I look at this result, we have uh, Philip Van Dusen has over 25 years of experience in brand, and there's a big separation between the subject and the object with no real verb in between. Mm. Um, Philip Van Dusen is the owner of uh, Verhal Brand Design, blah de blah, blah blah That says that you're the owner of a company. So Google is looking at that. It's, it's looking for the semantic triples. It's looking for the simple semantic triples. It can't make sense. There's contradiction in its mind and it's made up what it thinks is the best solution. So you're right. You're describing yourself to human beings in an incredibly systematic and consistent manner, but Google isn't looking at it from that perspective. It's looking at semantic triples. That's a topic for another day. And what I love is that you should have this. You should definitely have this with the content you have and your personal branding, with the knowledge panel cards, information about you. And what I love about this is you don't need to be famous. You don't need to be an internet uh, internet personality. It's something anybody can do. All Google wants to do is represent you to your audience with the content you've created that's helpful, valuable, and useful to that audience. So I think this conversation is going to be hugely interesting. We're already 12 minutes in, and we haven't got to what you're going to teach me. Uh, So we're going to get to that now. What can you teach me about? content for my personal brand so that I can improve this Sure. and that I can hopefully help you to improve that? Sure. Well, when I started, I'm, I, I spent
1: 25 plus years as a senior creative executive in both oh. the branding agency side, global agencies, some of the largest agencies in the world, and also in the global corporation side. So I've worked both sides of that street, agencies and Kind of client side as we call it in the industry. Yeah. Um, I was a senior executive at, at PepsiCo, um at Old Navy for a number of years. So fashion industry, consumer package goods, CPG industry. And when I uh decided to step away from that um and start my own thing, I went from, you know, having a established identity through a, you know, a through essentially a business card and a really nice title with a company name behind it um, to nothing. And so I had to, I decided at that point that I was going to start a branding consultancy and it was going to be me. And I was going to bring in systematically partners to work projects. It was going to be a virtual oh. agency sort of paradigm, oh, wow. which is, which is way the way the agency business is kind of changing is that's the rise of the consultant econ- economy. And I was really kind of, uh, accepting and riding that wave. And so when I went out on my own, I realized A, I have about a three-page black and white website that I've paid no attention to for the last 25 years because I haven't had to. And so I needed to build, you know, I've been building other people's brands for 25 years, but I hadn't spent zero time building my own. And so I was starting from scratch at a very ripe old age and needing to build my Personal brand, so I could be found, recognized, um, uh, kind of uh, considered as an expert in what I was doing, and that my new client prospects would find me, trust me, and want me to work with them. The big difference was is that I wasn't. I had spent most of my career working with the Fortune 100. And I didn't want to work with the Fortune 100 anymore. I've kind of been there, done that. I really wanted to work with startups and entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and small to medium sized businesses. So, I, you know, became a student of the internet, basically, and and personal branding. And uh, so I realized that content marketing was really exploding, and I, and I was perfectly situated to to do that because I had a lot of experience that I could share. Um, mm-hmm to businesses. And so I started, first of all, I started a newsletter and to build an email list because I knew that was important. And so I started a newsletter. I published it every two weeks for six months. And then when I kind of got that under my belt and was building my email list, I uh, realized that I wanted to start something that was a little more substantive in terms of content. So it was kind of between a podcast and a YouTube channel, right? Mm. And so I had to make that choice. And as a visual person, as a visual branding person, it didn't make much sense in terms of how I was considering it to go with a podcast, because that's purely audio. You can't see what people are talking about. And I thought YouTube would be perfect because if I want to show things, I can, and people can see it. And number two is that I can take my audio from my YouTube channel and repurpose it as a podcast but I can't go the other way. I can't do a podcast yeah. and repurpose it as a YouTube channel. So I started a YouTube channel and I made a commitment to myself that I was going to post a video a week for 50, for a year, for 52 weeks. Ooh, I sorry, was
0: it, just to inter- interrupt that, I've heard two things there. Number one is I had an email list and emailed every two weeks. Yep. Then I had a YouTube channel come podcast every week. It's consistency and making a promise to yourself and keeping it.
1: Yes. And I just actually wrote a, an email. Uh, newsletter about that. And there's, there's, there's an intention, there are goals, Mm. there are plans, and then there are commitments. And when I started both my newsletter and my YouTube channel, I made a commitment to myself. Mm. I said, I am going to do this at this frequency for this period of time before I ever revisit that commitment. Because I Mm. knew from, from my studies that, uh, that, Content marketing is all about consistency. You can't do it haphazardly. You have to show up consistently over time for it to have effect. And so I made that commitment to myself that I'm going to show up, do a video a week for a year, and then I'll make a decision whether I want to go forward or not. And that was probably... In retrospect, the absolute smartest thing that I did in my professional independent career was because so many people will post a video, two videos, five, 10 videos. And then when they get no views and have no subscribers, they get disheartened. They say, this isn't working for me. And they give up. And you can't do that. You essentially have to show up to an empty room and sing your heart out for a long period of time before the audience starts filtering in.
0: Right. So we're looking at commitment, consistency, and determination as a lovely triplet. If you don't have that, don't start. If you haven't done the full year or six months or whatever you commit to, don't make a judgment on the achievements that you've made. But you talk about uh, brand strategy, brand design, communication, building authority, and community. So those are the four things. Is it in that order? And how do you build the four? Yeah. You have to build, you have to, you have to have a strategy.
1: First of all, you have to know what your value is, what you're bringing to the table, who you're helping. Mm -hmm. What is that value? Why you're better? Why you're different? You start with that. Like, what is it that I have? Number two is you have to find, you have to find a, um, and I have a I have a free giveaway for your listeners that actually can give you the URL at the end of the show for a free download. Right. There's a tool, proprietary tool that I've developed called the Personal Brand Wheel, which is essentially it's a planning tool, but it's also an evaluation tool. Um, mm-hmm. And the kind of second, right, and, one, and we'll share that in the description for anybody. Okay, all right, attracted. great. And uh, then you have to build your you essentially have to build your 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 real estate. And so your real estate is going to be your website, your social media channels, wherever it is that you choose to show up. Yeah. Kind of the third quadrant is your content. You're going to actually start putting stuff out into the world. And then the fourth is engagement. And that is, and engage, putting the content out and engaging actually has to happen simultaneously, but there is that kind of follow-up engagement, building an audience, really engaging with that audience and and having it become a community and a conversation. And then you have to track it you have to you have to go back and look at your successes where you've gotten traction where you haven't you have to leverage your successes and sunset your losses because a lot of people will start doing content but they won't pay attention right. to the metrics they won't pay attention to the sorts of content which are getting traction or the sorts of topics that people are responding to and the ones that they aren't and you have to you have to evolve your content offering and what it is you're saying how you're engaging over time um, because everyone starts just like brands or companies. You start with a hypothesis. This is what I think people are going to like. This is what I think people want. And when you start delivering it to the market, very often you get feedback. Oh, I do like that, or I don't like that. And companies evolve and change, products evolve and change. And you have to do that as a personal brand too.
0: Right. Sorry, which brings me to a question. And you saw that I, I had a question, I, that very subtle of you to see me going, ooh, ooh, ooh. It's that you have the idea, you have the hypothesis, you think this is the audience I need to reach, you commit to your 52 weeks of one video a week. You That doesn't mean to say you stick to your initial plan through the 52 weeks. It means you're going to go through the 52 weeks, come what may. And over the 52 weeks, I will adapt to the metrics that I see as they come in. Is that approximately correct?
1: That's absolutely correct. One of the things I did for the first two years, three years of my YouTube channel is I read and answered every single comment that I got. Mm -hmm. And this got into the tens of thousands of comments until it got to the point where I could not keep up. And Mm -hmm. in doing that, number one, people were shocked that the author of the video was actually getting back to them and giving them a thoughtful reply and number two i was really closely paying attention to what people were responding to what they Mm -hmm. found attractive what they didn't what they got value out of what they didn't where i got flamed where people said this is stupid and i adjusted my content as i went along and Mm -hmm. it was very helpful because i paid attention to what what got traction and i sunsetted the stuff that didn't
0: Right. And the idea of community, is that all about saying subscribe now, like, follow, whatever it would be? Or is it more subtle than that? Because I find that quite heavy handed.
1: Yeah. Um, Number one, in social media, people won't do anything unless you ask them to. It's like, okay, so that's just
0: me being, being old. Yeah. Well, and you have, and you have to (laughs) do
1: it. You have to ask them because otherwise they, okay. it's TikTok, right? They're on to the next thing. They're scrolling, yeah. they're gone. And so if you catch them in the middle of the video or the end of the video and say, Hey, you like this video, just hit subscribe. You know, I really appreciate it. Unless you do that, they're already getting recommendations in the next video to watch and they're clicking on it and they're gone. Okay. So you have to ask. Um, and it's just like pop-ups on a website. You know, you have to, you have to break the stare and ask them to do something. Um, because otherwise
0: they won't No, which is a huge point is asking people to do something or suggesting what the next step might be with you in their journey with you. is hugely important. And I feel I'm English, so I feel a little bit reticent about that. It feels rude. Yeah. Get over yourself. (laughs) Brilliant. Thank you very much.
1: That's all I can say. It's like, it's like, if you said, I don't like TV commercials, so I don't really want to advertise on TV. I mean, in the right. old days, in the old days when it was radio, TV, and outdoor, right—the old marketing days—you um, can't just say, "I don't like radio ads; they interrupt my drive time." And then when you get into business, you go, "Okay, I got to advertise on radio." <laughs> you know, right. I, I kind of have to. You have to understand that that's what you do in order to to um,
0: uh, right to get and, business. And, and- No, lovely. I mean, I'm absolutely happy with Get Over Myself because you're right. And then the question is, once I've got them into my community with a subscribe or a comment, how do I maintain the traction with the audience in terms of my own personal brand? Rephrase that question. I don't want to give a long answer going down the wrong path. Right. Well, we're looking at my personal brand, which is saying I want the community to be close to me. So how do I avoid going off on thousands of different tracks that aren't necessarily helpful to my personal brand? What you just said
1: is what you have to turn on its head, which is you said, I want to get my community to be close to me. What you want to do is you actually want to be a server to your community. So how can I be of better service to my community? And you do that by delivering value consistently, over time with no expectation of return because there is a thing that develops and this is really key um jason i want you to i want you to listen to this to hear this there's something that i have coined a phrase i've called called subliminal reciprocity which is if you give someone enough value over time over time they want to do something for you they want to help you out they want to pay you back they want to thank you and in a way, when you deliver great content to people, they build a level of trust in you and this subliminal reciprocity. And that's how you eventually will get clients from, from what it is that you do, if that's the sort of content that you're putting out in the world. I mean, there are people who put content out that's purely entertaining, TikTok, right? right? Dancing about whatever. Um and there's people who do content that is more business focused, which is, uh-huh. you know, kind of more my lane.
0: And and one of those things is the idea of the reciprocity. You have to be hugely patient because it takes so much time. You have to get yes, so much value and you have to give value in the right place to the right people. Are we looking at a year? Are we looking at two years? Depends on the platform. There are
1: platforms that you can get traction fairly quickly there, but content is a long game. I'm not going to kid you about that. Content marketing is a long game, but here's the thing about content marketing. Content marketing has the longest tail of any kind of marketing because you can build up a library of content and that content will perform for you year after year after year, long after you have posted it. And I have a perfect example of my own brand in that regard in a particular video that I did that I'll I'll share with you in terms of a, like a little case study story about Serp, mm-hmm. which is, um, and because when you, it takes a long time to get that library up there, but it will work for you forever afterwards. There's content marketing is attraction marketing. You're putting something out there that are drawing people to you. Yeah, And then there's advertising, which is promotion, which is you're putting a message in front of people and you're asking them to do something right away. And you have to pay for that because you are, forcefully putting your message out in front of people when you do content you're not you're you're posting content and and drawing people in to say i have something of value for you for free come read it you're going to get something out of it it's not like Mm -hmm. here's my here's my message buy my thing um it's 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 a very different paradigm and they operate very differently
0: no which uh, a lovely lovely uh, distinction and that idea of content that is long-serving and content that is generous, content that helps, is a long-term game, and it does truly work. Now, the question with a personal brand, as we come towards the end of the show, is this. And I really wanted to know, from a brand SERP perspective, i.e. what appears on Google or Bing when you search my name or your name, Philippe van Dusen, which types of content are going to help me the most? The type of content, and this is where my story can come in, um,
1: within, within a year, that first 52 weeks of posting videos on YouTube, I was getting 80% of my clients directly from YouTube. They would contact me on my website, where I was driving them to, and they would say, saw a YouTube video, liked how you think, I liked what you were saying in X video. I want to do business with you and so all of that heavy lifting of proving my knowledge and my expertise was already done for me by the content that i put out and when they got to me they'd already seen me heard me knew they liked my personality and knew that i knew what i was talking about so Mm -hmm. most of that work had already been done and that was done through video google owns youtube google is the largest search engine in the world YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. And so video, in my opinion, is the number one form of content that a brand, an individual can use to elevate them in search. Because when you search a person's name or a subject, what pops up is their name, their website. And then immediately Mm -hmm. Google always has like a series of three videos on the topic underneath it. Mm -hmm. And and those videos can very well be you. And so it's kind of a double hit. You're basically you're you're basically double loading the search engine world by doing video and also having a website and doing other content on on your on your website or your blog. Now, the little quick story I wanted to tell you was that I did a video very early on within the first fifty two videos called "What does a Creative Director do?" And it was fairly, popular and it was actually kind of nested on a number of other websites and it ended up getting i don't know 150,000 views right and within three or four months of that video being up when you search the word creative director on google and you went to google images this is Mm -hmm. the weird thing you went to google images search creative director the thumbnail for my video what does a creative director do was the number one result followed by about 50 photos of very famous creative directors. And even now, when you search creative director very often, and this is five and a half years later, my, what does a creative director do video will be in the top three or four results. That Mm. is the long tail that I'm talking about. This is a video that I posted 5 years ago and it is still driving traffic to both my website and to my credibility as a as a creative leader.
0: Right. That's a brilliant story and a really great conclusion. And one thing is I'll bet that thumbnail has great design.
1: Well, it was in my first 50 videos, so it doesn't have really great design and what? um but the thing is and i could change the thumbnail if i wanted to i could update it but yeah. um got too much going on but uh you know the, the 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 reasoning behind it is what is is the most important which is that if you're building a personal brand video is definitely the number one way to go podcasting is probably second followed by written content and because writing is the easiest and there's more of it mm-hmm. so it's harder to to rank for that um But you don't have to actually have a podcast and this is something for your viewers or listeners. There's, you can also appear on other people's podcasts. So if you get, you know, put your acting gear and pitch yourself to other podcasts in your category of business, you can appear as a guest on people's podcasts, and that can also uh, expose you to much larger audiences because you're leveraging the audiences of others to get exposure. And then over time, as you get more comfortable with that, you could start your own podcast. That's what I would recommend. That's great
0: advice. How lovely. Thank you so much, Philip. That was absolutely delightful. Hugely informative. I love the green glasses. Better than my red shirt, maybe. (laughs) No, not Um, at all. Well, I equal. noticed it more, but I think I, I've, I've, I've got used to the red shirt and I don't see it anymore. But you got to get we, some red glasses. Yes. Oh, good point. Yes. <laughs> we have Mariana Franco talking about coping with marketing with a wonderful, wonderful red dress. And she said that she took that photo five years ago. So she wasn't using the red dress to match my red shirt, but it matches absolutely perfectly. This is great branding. She's a great brander. She's a great marketer. And she's going to be talking about coping with marketing. And I'm truly looking forward to that. Could you pass the virtual baton, Philip?
1: Actually, definitely. Here's the baton. Wait, here's the baton, Mariana. (laughs) Get out there and
0: build your personal brand. Brilliant. Thank you. And that's actually what she's in the process of doing. So I'm sure she'll watch this one and then follow it up with some astonishing insights into, as I said, coping with marketing, which I love as a title because it's so generic, so general, but it's a problem we all have. Thank you so much, Philip. Thank you everyone for watching. That was absolutely awesome. You get the outro song too. A quick goodbye to and the show. Thank you, Philip. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate being on your show. Brilliant. Wonderful. Thank you. CaliCube. It's all about your brand, SERP.